0: Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name is Mike, I'm the pastor at WBC and a happy Easter to you. This is our Easter Sunday teaching and it's the last in our five part series talking about understanding Jesus. We've previously talked about Jesus as priest and prophet and king and sacrifice. And today we're gonna to be thinking about Jesus as saviour. I want to start by looking at a passage from the letters of the New Testament. Um, This might be a surprise. You might think I'd start with a gospel account of the resurrection. Um, But I'm not going to spend time on that because I think it's not something that we don't need to prove or guarantee before we move on to an understanding of what Jesus as Saviour means for us. And before we do any of those things, we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for all the different ways in which it can be understood. And we especially thank you that you are our saviour. And we pray that in these few minutes, as we think about that, that you would give us a fresh insight. That you would crystallise our thinking. That you would excite our imagination about what it means to live with you as our saviour. To live a saved life. Amen. Okay, so it's Easter Sunday, and usually you would be looking at uh, the passage of John 20, or you're looking at Luke 24. Uh, all, all, the, um, all the gospel accounts have their own way of telling the story of the resurrection, and they're great. Uh, I'm quite often uh, inclined to look at 1 Corinthians 15 when it comes to Easter Sunday, because there's resurrection theology that Paul gives us there. But for now, I want to touch on Ephesians 2, so I'm just going to read a couple of verses. In visions 2 we're reading verses 8 to 10 and they say this For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do It's just a short passage and you might think well it's not very resurrectionly. This is true. Uh, and actually it doesn't talk about how salvation works. That's true too. But like I said before, I really want to focus not so much on the mechanics or the narrative, however exciting and inspiring that always is, but actually on what it is to live in the reality of salvation, to live in the context of salvation. So if we're going to talk about Jesus as Saviour, we have to recognise that Being saved is a big part of how we live as disciples of Jesus. He asks us to follow him and he is described as a saviour and so we follow someone who saves. And that means that we live a life that is a saved life. So let's just backpedal a little bit. We know from lots of occasions in the New Testament that people ask what shall I do to be saved or how then can anyone be saved or um, the righteous shall do this and they shall be saved, that kind of thing. So we are aware that there's a real sense of salvation, of savedness being a big part of God's intention for his people. As a recognition that they, uh, that humanity isn't where God intended it to be. And lots of accounts, lots of stories, lots of narratives right the way through Scripture about how we see this in action. Judges is a fantastic example of that. Um, so is the account of Israel's engagement with its prophets and judges and then its kings. Plus, the relationship that Israel has with its neighbours, with the superpowers around it. And we looked recently at the Church at Ezekiel and that tells some of that story. But you can go way back before any of those things and look at the way in which God rescues the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. To again have a sense of what it is to be a people who are saved. There is a rescue. What's important though, is to recognize that salvation works in several ways as a term it's not just about being rescued and actually, when it is talking about being rescued, that quite often is in a kind of military sense, but also the word saved has to do with healing so the the word uh, the Greek word soter which is used for salvation or around salvation so the the, um, the technical term for theology of salvation is called soteriology because it comes from the greek word sote and sote was used to describe um, greek deities that had to do with healing so there is a sense of rescue there's also a sense of healing there's also a sense of restoration isn't there so as israel are um, saved from uh, egypt can't think why i forgot the word egypt they're saved uh, from egypt and they come out through the exodus into israel they are restored to land that has been promised to them so it's rescue it's restoration and it's healing all of those things give us a really clear indication that what god intends in salvation is for there to be a putting right or a putting back or a or a, a reintroduction of something that's already been expressed or established a kind of making whole or fulfilling it's interesting isn't it that when you think of it in those terms and you hear jesus say in john 10 i have come that they humanity might have life and have it to the full or have a fulfilled life life in all its fullness we have then a sense that jesus is saying yes i've come to save and i've come to save so that the result of that salvation is a particular way of living So if we're going to recognise Jesus as saviour, then we are going to be recognising ourselves as people who Jesus would like to save. And that means recognising that we are to be restored or made whole or fulfilled as people. I think this is really cool, particularly when you think that this is what resurrection brings us. So, the death of Jesus on the cross, very much... Uh, as a substitute, is about sin being removed, taken away. We refer back, don't we, to Leviticus for this, where we see that the uh, the scapegoat, that on whom is symbolically placed, on which whom, on which is placed symbolically the sin of the people of Israel. That scapegoat is led away into the wilderness and removed from the people. So we have the idea that sin is taken away through the substitutionary work of Jesus. Jesus. Is a substitute he acts in our place in the most incredible of ways and then we have after his death the resurrection through which jesus conquers death so life wins over death and it is that taking away of sin and that defeat of death that allows humanity to have access to a fulfilled life to a rescued and restored life to a salvation life and with all of that in mind, it's that passage in Ephesians that I wanted to go back to. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, we are saved by grace, by God's Goodness, by his gift of something we haven't deserved, and through faith, which is again a gift, something Jesus uh, talks to us about and God offers to us, and we embrace. There's a bit of a mystery in that, too. It, the reality is, faith can't be something that we are responsible for bringing, otherwise, somehow, our faith will be a representation of our works, and then salvation would be by works. And it's not. Paul says this very clearly. Uh, not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul isn't saying that people um, shouldn't be allowed to boast that they've made themselves safe. He's saying that no one should be able to claim that they can take responsibility for their own salvation because God has done it all for us through Jesus. And then Paul goes on with this four word. So I'm reading NIV and it's verse 10 For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. All the active initiative in our salvation, all things that make us rescued or fulfilled or made whole or healed have been initiated by God. And that's brilliant because then none of it rests on us. We haven't got to show ourselves to be or prove ourselves to have or done enough mileage in order to generate or, or experience enough, I don't know, flying hours so that we we're then allowed to, to pilot by ourselves or anything like that. There is no earning with this. And Paul's really keen that we should be able to recognise that this salvation is given. All that God did through the incarnation, through, through Jesus being humanity, through his ministry, through his life, through his death as a sacrifice and through his resurrection, are part of providing that gift for us of being restored and rescued and forgiven. So if that's the case, where does it take us? Well, again, part of the reason for looking at this passage in Ephesians 2 is because Paul tells us, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. In some translations that handiwork concept is referred to as craftsmanship or something like that. It's it's got a really artistic emphasis. It's not about um, saying we've been fabricated by God, it's about we've been crafted, we've been artistically created, we've been specially made to be the person who we are by God, and to be saved by Jesus, that we might live as his handiwork, that we might fulfil our purpose, our, our reason to be, as his craftsmanship. Ultimately, what we're talking about here, all these words to do with restoration and healing and things, is that the idea of salvation is to place us where we were always supposed to be. Now, There's one other important thing that Jesus does in salvation that isn't just to do with the mechanics of sacrifice jesus establishes a community we know don't we from the beginning of acts that after jesus resurrection the number of people part of that original gathering of his disciples is about 120 acts one tells us that so when jesus uh, ascends to be with his father again yes there are 11 on the hilltop with him when that happens Matthew tells us but also there are a bunch more 100 plus who are involved in that community and one of the things Jesus has done is build this community his intention is for the restored renewed saved healed people who trust Jesus to be restored not just as themselves but in a community of people now this has always been God's intention what you've got to do is look at the covenants, the promises, the agreements that God made with Abram in Genesis and with Moses in Exodus as well. And you can see that God's intention has always been for a community of people who knew him and loved him and walked with him. Jesus saves us to be part of a particular community. And it's a community of people who have been crafted, not Not manufactured, not chucked out on some kind of um, repeatable way, not mass-produced but crafted, handmade, handiwork, it says in Ephesians 2. So this isn't just about mechanics, it's about the, the intention of God to bring together created, crafted people in order to form a community and he indicates that that's his intention by starting that community before his arrest yes there were twelve or actually in the end eleven and then Matthias is added to them who are particularly close who are like an immediate entourage but there is a community already built Luke tells us that there are women involved in that community too and then the the story of the Acts of the Apostles shows how that community grows and expands and learns the hard way in lots of ways and actually becomes a a sort of a a pan-Mediterranean community with little branches all over the place. But we become part of this crafted community. God's covenant with Abram and with Moses were about being God's people. But not just so that they could be his. Not so that they could be a sort of a um, a loyal subjects, if you like. Not not like in feudalism, where you, you had your peasants or your serfs who were belonging to a particular master this is not how Jesus wants it to be in fact he says in John's Gospel doesn't he that he doesn't call them servants anymore he calls them friends because they have a sense of what's going on they have an understanding of the family business so the, the death and resurrection of Jesus that salvation work that saving work brings his people into a place where they are part of the community in the same way that God had intended through Abram and through Moses You see, God hasn't given up on those covenants. They haven't been completely fulfilled yet. And through Jesus, they are. Salvation's purpose, Jesus the saviour, his purpose is to fulfil those promises to create a people. Now, in both cases, the covenant agreements that God makes with his people is that they should be a blessing to the nations, a blessing to the world. Jesus repeats this on some level at the end of Matthew's Gospel where he says um, go and take the message, the good news um, so that you make disciples of all ethnos all people groups, all ethnicities all, all gatherings, or anyone who feels that they belong to any kind of people group anywhere they should get to hear the good news they should get to be part of being saved they should get to experience and benefit from the salvation that Jesus brings by his death and his resurrection so this is the idea that actually our salvation isn't just away from; it's very much towards. I worry sometimes about how the church has described salvation over the years. It's been very good at describing salvation as an escape from. You know, we're we're saved from eternal damnation, or, or eternal torture, or uh, eternal separation. Or, you know, there lots of lots of scary ideas that that are truly scary. The idea of Judgment is very real, very genuine. Jesus is the ultimate judge and his role is ultimately going to be to judge the nations and judge the people. Um, and we're going to have to answer for who we are, what we've chosen, where we've put our trust. So these things are very real, but the church, I think, has has so emphasised Escape From that it's undersold, saved towards So it's undersold the community of salvation. It's undersold the chance to be part of a people that are crafted. It's undersold the joy and delight of sharing in the family of Jesus. We are not very good, I think, as a church, globally. at saying these are the good things that Jesus is offering us, promising us. And that's already started with Jesus' arrival in flesh. As a person, as a as the ultimate human. Jesus Himself says the time is coming and has now come. And and that has blown people's minds, but in really helpful ways, that we know the kingdom begins with Jesus' arrival, but we know it's not fulfilled yet until that day of the Lord, that day of ultimate justice. When all things will be put right. When salvation won't just be of individuals, but we'll be of creation. And that we will inherit a new earth, an earth that's worth looking after now because it's the earth we're going to inherit. With all those things feeling pretty exciting to me, I'm dead chuffed to be part of how Jesus is fulfilling those covenants. I want to be, and I hope you do too, uh, a blessing to the nations around me. And so this leads me to the end of that little short passage in Ephesians where, where Paul says we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I think that can be can feel a little heavy. It can be a real sense of okay, so I'm saved, so I can you know tick off tasks on some kind of cosmic to-do list that God's providing. What's interesting is in studying the, the passage I've come across. A couple of different ways of thinking about that. One is that absolutely God is intending that we should fulfill purposes that He has established for us. But the other way of looking at it is to do with the kind of life we live. God has prepared us by His handiwork to be and live a particular way and is preparing us to live that way as part of the community that he has created so maybe it's not about a cosmic tick sheet, maybe it is about the kind of people we can encourage each other to be as saved people, as those who live in the context in the the bright sunshine of salvation, those who know what it is to know Jesus and go closer to him to get to know him better, to, to grow into who he is, to become more like him And if that's what uh, Jesus has in mind for us in his work of salvation, then actually we have an enormous opportunity in this to be people who bless the world, people who take that blessing that that God said he wanted uh, through Abraham and Moses, he said he wanted his people to then carry, that we might actually go all the way to being a salvation people by living that fulfilled, rescued, healed life that is possible for us through Jesus. I'm going to be asking three questions in a moment about that. But before we do that, I want to pray. Let's do that now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the salvation that you've given us. We recognize it cost you an enormous amount. But we are excited that you have um, invited us as crafted people as artistically created people, to be part of a wonderful, organic community that's been crafted itself. And we ask that you help us to live our role in that community. Not so that we can tick off a cosmic tick sheet, but so that we can live the life that you called us to live, fulfilled as your people. Amen. Okay then, question one. Do you recognise yourself as a crafted person? And what do you like about the way God has crafted you? What do you like about that handmade person that you are that reflects the goodness of God? Question two. How can the people of Jesus his saved, rescued, healed, restored people. How can they, and we, be a blessing to the nations? Question three. The salvation Jesus brings is about healing and restoration. Not all things that we might feel need to be healed or restored are dealt with in our life now. However, it matters to the father to be part of those things that you feel need fulfilling or healing the things that trouble you bother you what are the things that you most want to be restored in your life and offer them to Jesus now okay that's our three questions for this week it's been good to be with you it's been lovely to be outside in the sunshine. And I look forward to catching up with you soon. Take care and God bless.